All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, it is Thursday, so we are digging deeper into the Psalms today. I am Pastor Doug Minton, thanking you for being here so that we can dig deeper this week into Psalms 45, 46, and 47. 45 and 47, we're not all that familiar with, but many of us are very familiar with Psalm 46, as oftentimes this is used for many Christian funerals because of the great sense of comfort it gives. So here, but in these three, we have the common theme of God rules as our fortress. As we see, especially in 45, that God's throne is forever. In 46, that God is our fortress. And then 47, that God is king over all the earth. So let's get into the text here. Psalm 45. To the choir master, according to lilies, a maskal of the sons of Korah, a love song. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like a pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty, write out victoriously for the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness. Let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the hearts of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are all fragrant of myrrh and aloes and cassia. From ivory palaces, string instruments make you glad. Daughters of kings are among your ladies of honor. At your right hand stands the queen in gold of Ophir. Hear, O daughter, and consider, and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, and the king will desire your beauty. Since he is your lord, bow to him. The people of Tyre will seek your favor with gifts, the richest of the people. All glorious is the princess in her chamber, with robes interwoven with gold. In many colored robes she is led to the king, with her virgin companions following behind her. With joy and gladness they are led along as they enter the palace of the king. In the place of your fathers shall be your sons. You will make them princes in all the earth. I will cause your name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore nations will praise you forever and ever. So far Psalm 45. This sound familiar? Maybe, maybe not. Because we look at the superscription and we get to the choir master, lilies being the tune to be done, a masculine of the sons of Korah. We've talked about those before. But then a love song. This psalm is very similar and possibly even written around the same time as Solomon's Song of Songs, otherwise known as the Song of Solomon following after Ecclesiastes, that great love song of Solomon and the Shunammite. And could this be an outsider's view of that love song? Could it also be simply the devotion of God to his people as the king, but also the husband of the people of Israel, as we see echoed throughout all of Hosea? We have many different ways we could point this out and the aspect of the love song between uh, this psalm. And many of the things come to mind here. Verse 4, In your majesty ride out victoriously for the cause of truth 
and meekness and righteousness. My first thought when reading this is the triumphal entry and the hymn that we sing on Palm Sunday, right on, right on in majesty, in lowly pomp, right on to die. Jesus rides in to Jerusalem on the donkey, on the colt of a donkey, in his victory march, leading to his death, where he battles against death itself and will come out the winner just one week later. They go on to say, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A reminder of the promise that God has made to Moses, to Joshua, to Samuel, to David, and on through. That even though, yes, there may be, like with David, and a descendant upon his throne that will reign forever, the true king of Israel is God himself. And he makes sure that no one has this distinction other than himself. And those that try to exalt themselves into a position like that, he then humbles, as you see with kings like Manasseh and others of David's line that were not very well, uh, they were not followers of Yahweh and would rather go off against the Baals and the Asherah, especially once Ahab and Jezebel's family gets brought into the mix as well in the Davidic line. And this reign of God as the ruler forever is a wonderful rule. As we go to Isaiah 61, we hear very similar words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This is the great thing that goes on in the next verse to talk about raising ancient ruins and bringing them back up, rebuilding what has been broken down. Because that is what happens when God's favor comes. And when Jesus speaks this very prophecy in the synagogue in Nazareth, He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he almost gets stoned for it because the people did not want to hear it, not from him. But this is the point. God coming to us gives us the oil of gladness, that the garment of praise that then talks about all the great things that God has done for us. That even in the midst of the worst days, we still have that element of praise because God continues to provide for us. And then we get to verses 10 and 11 that again, especially bring out the connection here between Psalm 45 and Song of Solomon. That we have this great love story between God and his people. And it comes out in a library, really, of 66 books that cover 
more than 5,000 years of history of God's love continuing on from generation to generation, not being kept away. I mean, it is turned off for a while, except for to a very few in the Babylonian captivity and during the time in between the Testaments, between Malachi and John the Baptist. But it is not gone completely. He is still there because he is still providing for the coming Messiah. And if you want proof of that, read Matthew chapter 1. Read the genealogy of Jesus because Matthew picks up with Abraham, goes through David, goes from David to the Babylonian captivity, and then picks up from the Babylonian captivity and goes on down to Joseph in that day, knowing that this is important to point out that God was still bringing about the Messiah, even if he was not bringing prophets into the people to bring the people his word. That even though he might be a little silent, whether for 70 years or 400 years, that he's still working through the people that are his to bring about his will, to bring about the good for those who love him, who are called according to his promise. That Paul reminds us all things work together for good for them. We continue on into Psalm 46. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains swell at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So far, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength. This allows us not to fear, regardless of what happens in this world. Because, yes, there may be things that come upon us that we need his refuge to hide from. There are other times where we need his strength to stand up and say, no, we are not letting this happen anymore. We are not letting you go any further. Now, the question often is, what time is the right time to do either one? Because if it looks to us like it's time we should hide, maybe that is a time that God wants us to speak up and to stand up. And sometimes we stand up and speak up more often than we really ought to. And that causes even more problems. And then we have the great verse, verse 4. 
There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. This brings about meditation that is coming up as I am going through Genesis chapter 2 right now. And the one river coming out of Eden, breaking off into the four rivers that were there before the flood. But that being a picture of the river of life flowing from God's throne as John sees it in Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no lamp, light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. Here we have that great moment that, yes, there is the river of life that makes glad the city of God. Why? Because it flows through and waters the one thing Adam and Eve were not allowed to have after they fell into sin. Access to the tree of life. That is why they were banished from the Garden of Eden. Yes, there's sin, but more importantly, that they did not eat from the tree of life after that and therefore stay eternally in their sins with no room for repentance, no chance for salvation. But what is there in the middle of heaven? The tree of life with the river of the water of life running right under it, producing a different type of fruit every month of the year. And the most important thing, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. What great and wonderful things we have to look forward to when we get to heaven. And then the most popular verse out of this, that is the verse that is the reason why Psalm 46 is used for so many funerals. Because it causes us to stop and think. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. Yes, I will be exalted in the earth. These are God's words that he wants us to remember that at all times, whether it's good times or bad times, whether we are happy or mourning, that we have a God who loves us, who wishes to be exalted in all the earth, and that he will be exalted and not us. He whose throne is established forever, truly, because he is the one who created everything in order to be our father, to be our king. All right, we move on into Psalm 47. To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. 
Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong to God. He is highly exalted. So far, verse 47. This really sounds like Psalms 145 through 150, that it should be there. But it's brought here because we have the need to praise God. But here, also because of it being a psalm of the sons of Korah, and they are the major writer of this book of the Psalms, as David was of the first book. And we have the great remembrance of the promised land being given to the Israelites under the leadership of Joshua. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. God chose the promised land. And God didn't choose it when Joshua crossed over the Jordan River into it. He didn't choose it when he appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He didn't even choose it when he told Abram to leave Ur of the Chaldees and to leave Haran and to leave his people and to go where he was going. No, God chose the promised land from before the foundation of the earth. This has always been the place where God has wanted to bless his people. But again, we have our own ideas as to what that blessing ought to be. We have that own idea of what that subduing of the nations should be. But our idea usually ends up being with us in charge. Much like James and John asking Jesus, let us sit at your right and your left when you come into your kingdom. And when Jesus does come into his kingdom, it's not James and John who are there next to him. It's two criminals. One who becomes repentant from the things that are going on on that Good Friday. One who remains very against Jesus and only wanting to be delivered, if that is what Jesus can do, because he wants to be able to escape the punishment due his crime. But for God, this is the thing. He is our fortress. He is the king over all the earth forever. He decides who and where. He decides what happens to us. He is the one who has numbered our days and encourages us through the Psalms to know and number them ourselves, to teach them, to teach ourselves to number them aright. And that is what is pleasing to God. That is what is praising to him in the Psalms is that when we take his words to heart, not only hearing them in our ears, but letting them sink into our hearts and actually alter us and transform us into his image. That is what he wrote the scriptures for. That is what we have the Psalms for. So that we might be changed by his word. All right, that's all for this week. This is Pastor Doug Minton. Thanking you for being here and digging deeper into the Psalms with me. 
I encourage you to be back next week for the Confessional Corner, for Pro Wrestling America if you are a wrestling fan, and then also to continue digging deeper into the Psalms as we get deeper and deeper into these 150 great blessings from God. Blessings that he gives us so that we might know what we need to do to wrestle with the theology this week. Amen.